Good morning. I hope that you have a copy of God's Word, and if you don't mind turning with me to Psalm 119, and we'll begin in verse 17 and looking at uh, this next stanza. We've been in Psalm 119. This is our third week, a third opportunity to be in this jewel, if you will. 176 verses, 22 stanzas. Each stanza has eight verses. Every verse in that stanza dedicated to one single Hebrew letter, all describing the psalmist's love and great value in the Word of God. It's been falsely accused that it's redundant and repetitive, but with further examination, further study, it's very clear that the Word of God is deep and has depth to it. We looked at the first stanza and seen the blessed way, which God's the one that designs, that God declares which way is blessed. Last week, we looked at the pure way. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word. How's that? Staying in the word and savoring the word. This week, we're looking at a sojourner. Look at me with me at verse 19 and 20. Psalmist says, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time. Entitled this message, The Soul of a Sojourner. The Soul of a Sojourner. We see this sojourner is captured by the word of God. And he responds with two big prayers or petitions. First, a prayer of insight in verses 17 through 20. And then a prayer for relief in 21 through 24. So a prayer for insight first. Let's look at that. There's really four petitions in this psalm. And the first three all fall in that category of a prayer for insight. A prayer for insight. In verse 17, would you look with me at this bold and determined petition? Look at what he says. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Deal bountifully, generously, good towards your servant. This is a bold statement. I say it's bold because who are we to call upon the holy creator and petition and, 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 and declare what he ought to do? But this bold prayer is not out of out of order or really out of step with the rest of the Psalms. We see in the Psalms something we don't see in any other place. One is actually said that the Psalms uh, captures every emotion that the human heart could ever experience. It's all placed within the Psalms. Whatever kind of emotion you could experience, it has been pinned in the Psalms. We actually see this bold and determined prayer in other places. Would you turn with me to Psalm 13? Psalm 13. As you're turning there, I'll actually read from Psalm 4, verse 1. Listen to what David says. He says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. What a bold prayer. Answer me. When I call, again in chapter 13, 
verses 1 through 3, says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Oh man, this is, this is the heart of a soul that is dependent upon God. That's what we're seeing here. These bold prayers of how long, answer me, deal bountifully, generously with me. These are prayers of a dependent man. One that knows that if the Lord's not going to intervene, I'm not going to be able to stand. You have to make yourself known. You have to interject yourself in this situation. I need you. So how does the Lord deal bountifully with his people? It's a valid question. I mean, he, he deals bountifully with his people in a number of different ways. We could all just take time, press pause right now, and list this last week how God has been generous to us. He's provided shelter and food and life and family and friends, job, peace, comfort when everything else is shattering around me. God has been more than generous to me. But what happens when there is no food? Or our health depletes, or we lose a friend or family member. Well, we don't hear an answer. Or it seems as if the Lord's hiding his face. Has he not dealt bountifully with his people? The answer is, of course he has. Ultimately, the Lord deals bountifully in his salvation and the peace that his salvation brings. Look at verses 5 and 6 of chapter 13. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Are these two different authors? Verse 1 to verse 5 seems like a totally different man. This is a man that's dependent, whose soul is consumed with the word of God, and he knows there's only one place for me to petition, and that's to the Lord God Almighty, who is steadfast in his love, who does provide for his people, who is my salvation. And see, what, what happens, it's not that the circumstances have changed from verses 1 through 3 to 5, it's just that the, his hope has been established and the one that does deal bountifully with his people. Even though everything might be shaken around you, dear believer, if the Lord has called you to faith and repentance in Christ Jesus, he has dealt generously with you. Titus 3. Would you turn there with me? Titus 3. I have no idea every circumstance that's represented in this room. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to know if the storms are raging, 
if the foundations are crumbling, if life seems absolutely hopeless, no, there is still hope that God has dealt bountifully and good with you in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4 through 7. Listen to what Paul says. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that by that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God has dealt bountifully with his people, ultimately in Christ Jesus. That's the climax of his goodness towards his people. If you're a single man in here, one day you're going to meet a woman and you are going to be blown away. It's going to rock your world. And you think, thank you, dear Lord. You have blessed me. You've been bountiful to me. But that doesn't reach this. First time you hold your child, you're going to be blown away. Tears are going to come to your eyes. You're going to think, what a blessing. Here, you have dealt bountifully with me. But nothing compares to the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. You're going to weather storms that are dark and black. It seems as if there's no light, that there's no hope. You're going to be taken through that. The Lord is going to deal bountifully with you, but nothing compares to how generous He is to us in Christ Jesus. This is showing the dependence. This man, this sojourner, stranger, servant of the Lord has upon the Lord. We sang a song last week. First and third verse say, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide or life is vain. Oh, what a similar prayer. A prayer that is rooted in determined joy and peace. Determined source being God and God alone. So is your prayers marked by this kind of boldness and fervency? Are you pleading with the Lord to intervene in your life? Is it every hour of your day marked by prayers of dependence? Oh, I need thee. Oh, how I need thee. I'd hope so, dear believer. Dear friend, if you're in this place and you are unrepentant of your sins, have yet to turn from your sins to Jesus Christ for salvation. This is your petition. Deal generously with me, O Lord. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Know that he deals bountifully with those that he loves. Call on him. We see also in this prayer for insight, this petition in verse 18 Psalm 119, look with me. 
He says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. This has often been a very sweet prayer for me. During the week, in my studying, as I'm reading scripture, maybe you've even heard me pray this scripture, this desire to have our eyes open. It's important to note here, he's not talking about our physical eyes, though I guess this prayer could be used in your first conscious thoughts in the morning before your eyes have opened. Lord, open my eyes so that I may see wondrous things from your law. This is speaking to the spiritual eyes that we have. The Bible will often speak to the physical and the spiritual. We have a spiritual set of eyes, a spiritual heart, a spiritual set of ears. As far as the heart, Jeremiah 17, the Lord says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Lord is not speaking to the fact that we're all have heart, physical heart issues, cardiac issues. No, he's speaking to our spiritual heart, the make of man. Here he's speaking to the spiritual eyes. Just as Paul spoke about it in Ephesians 1, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? He spiritualized. He calls upon God to open my spiritual eyes. Well, the question is, what hinders me from seeing? The obvious is our flesh and sin. John Piper comments on this verse. He says, if God does not open our eyes, we will not see the wonder of the word. We are not naturally able to see spiritual beauty. When we read the Bible without the help of God, the glory of God in the teachings and events of the Bible is like the sun shining in the face of a blind man. Not that you can't construe its surface meaning, but you can't see the wonder, the beauty, the glory of it such that it wins your heart. Prayer is essential to Christian living because it is the key to unlocking the power of the word in our lives. The glory of the word is like the shining of the sun in the face of a blind man. Unless God opens our eyes, we can't see the glory. We need our spiritual eyes, even in Christ Jesus, opened so that we can see the wondrous things in your word. What are these wondrous things? It's not just the commandments. It's seeing God in his splendor, how marvelous and great he is, his glory, what separates him from all other being, his love is unmatched. His mercy is untouchable. His goodness, his peace, his comfort, his power, all of it. Wonderful things, being able to see that in the text. How many times, friend, have you come to the text and looked and you haven't seen it? You read over it hundreds and hundreds of times and just like that. Oh, wow. How wonderful God is and seeing the wonderful truths. Do you long for this wonder for the wonderful things of the world or the word? Do you long for it? I'd imagine it's it, it's it's almost like 
going to the Grand Canyon or, or to some just beautiful scenery and, and taking someone along with you, having them blindfold it and, and, and lifting that blindfold and just watching them grasp how beautiful the Word of God is, not just because of the words, but because of who it describes the God of this Word is, seeing God and all of His wonder. Does that capture your heart? Is that the kind of longings that are stirring up in your heart every day? If not, here is your prayer. Here is your petition. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful, amazing, marvelous things, ultimately so I can see you. God is the source of this wonder. This third petition in this prayer for insight is in verse 19. It says, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. He desperately needs the revelation of God. Definitely de dependent upon God to reveal his word. Sojourner. This is a word that we find in the scripture. It speaks to a stranger. Abraham was described as a sojourner. He did not have a home. He took his tent, his, his livestock, his possessions, and traveled from place to place to place to place. No place to call home. The psalmist says he's a sojourner. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a sojourner. This place is not our home. I love the song that we've sung before, Almost Home. Don't drop a single anchor. We're almost home. Through every toil and danger, we're almost home. How many pilgrim saints have gone before us? No stopping now, we're almost home. That promised land is calling, we're almost home. And not a tear shall fall then, we're almost home. Make ready now your souls for the kingdom come. No turning back. We're almost home. This is not our home. We are strangers and sojourners. We are out of sync as the people of God with this world. And it's in that he pleads, he demands, hide not your word. As we travel, we need direction. But we can't trust the people that would call this their home. We want to go to the Lord himself. Direct me. As we consider the many things that culture provides as, as, as the world creeps in in churches, there's many things that we're having to deal with and navigate through tough decisions, things that need to be addressed. Please, Lord, do not hide your word from us. Let us see so we know how to act, what to stand for, what to speak against, how to encourage, how to lift up. You tell me which way you want me to go, where you lead, I will follow. Are you dependent upon that leadership that you find in the word? Or are you far too familiar with this world? We're resident aliens. We're foreigners in this earth. 
This place is not our home. That's why this prayer of calling the Lord, hide not your commandments. I need direction. I need leadership. I need guidance. And I acknowledge that that comes from you and through the leading of your word. And then we see the source. The source really for this, these first three petitions and the petition we'll see in verse 22, but this source in verse 20. He says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time. He says, my soul is consumed, crushed, broken, longing for the word. Technically, it's, it's, it's a noun here. It's only used in verse 20 in the Old Testament. Only used here. It's the noun verb of to long. My soul is consumed with longing. Never enough. Like I can never get enough of your word. That's where I'm at. That's, that's the birth and the place of these petitions. Is from this soul that is consumed with the word of God. Uh, the more I, I work with, with children and kids and have children of my own, I realize how important candy is. It's a very important thing to a child. I, you know, as, as a kid, things always look bigger when you grow up, right? You go to a certain location, it's like, oh, that was bigger. Or, wow, they were bigger when I was a kid. Or you go to certain places, but I promise you, the candy aisle has never looked small to me. It's only gotten longer I imagine if you took any child with you, you placed them on that aisle at Walmart, they looked down, anything, all of it, it's yours. It's not enough. Not enough. Simple sweetheart, loving sugar and all the wonderful things that sugar provides. But listen, the word of God is just like Psalm 19. It's like honey to my lips. It's desired more than gold. I long for it and there's never enough it's not enough i listen i hear i want more of the word of god that is the heart of the believer sadly the charismatic movement has attracted many evangelicals today mainly through music and worship and the expression of worship terminology has worked its way into evangelical world and and to the to the uh, dismantling of the authority of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and there's this false narrative floating around that I need to experience God in some new and wonderful way. I'm here to tell you the longings of your soul are met not in an experience, but within the word of God. That's where we pursue. That is our journey, is to pursue a longing for the word that captures us. It's goddess. We can't get away from it. That is the heart of this, this sojourner, the stranger, as he's moving along. Does your soul break and long for the word of God? I'd encourage you linger for a little while in the word. Press pause on the busyness of life. 
Turn off the television. Turn off the phone. Allow your heart to be taken captive by the word. Allow Psalm 119 to tether your heart and your prayers so that you too can call out and say, my soul is consumed longing for the word of God. That's the prayer for insight. Next, we see a prayer for relief. There's really only one petition in verses 21 through 24, and that's found in verse 22. But we, we, we see really a contrast between the obedient servant in verse 22 and those that wonder and those who plot in 21 and 23. So we see first this rebuke that he calls for the insolent. Look at verse 21. He said, you rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments, insolent, proud, or arrogant ones. This refers to those that have wandered, strayed, and say the word is not above me. Those that actually have experienced obedience in the commandments. Now, we're in the Old Testament here, and we're speaking of the children of Israel they were constantly warned against this straying from the commandments of God. Read for you Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed be anyone who does not conform, confirm the words of this law by doing them. They were called to obedience. They were called not to stray from the word of God, to wander from the word of God. There is warning after warning after warning after warning. And for the soul that continues in that, the dangers that lie ahead are finding yourself against the face of God. Ezekiel 14 in our Bible reading this past week. Several elders sat down before Ezekiel, wanting the Lord to prophesy through him, wanting to hear something from the Lord. For anyone who, of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him, I, the Lord, will answer him myself. And I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Heed the warning. Praise God. That we have Christ Jesus. We've been bought by the blood of Christ. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. But God has still given us his words. And we're called not to stray or wander from them. Our arrogance, our pridefulness blinds us to our need to repent. Later on, the Lord will say, or actually earlier on in Isaiah, the Lord said, because his people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts 
are far from me. I pray that's not you this morning. Dear believer, know that God is bountiful and generous and gracious and merciful. But we must not stray from the commandments of God. We should heed this. There are many that will perish in their sins, but for those of us in Christ Jesus, we should heed the warnings of those that are arrogant and pride and find themselves above the word of God. Verse 22, we see the contrast. The arrogant, the prideful, they wander away, but this servant, he's faithful. He says, take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. The contrast is seen in the obedience that he has to the word. But there's this plead, yet again, this petition. Take this away. The scorn, the contempt. The circumstances we don't know. Actually, what's interesting is some pastors, some commentaries will press a, a narrative in Psalm 119. Don't believe that's there. It's sometimes awkward and out of place. But what we do know in this instance is there is some scorn and contempt, maybe possibly from the outside for his obedience to the word, for his stand, for his longing for the word. Here, all of that, that, that desire to, for the Lord to deal, to deal bountifully and generous with him possibly all comes from the circumstances he's in now. And he asks, and pleads for relief. And at times, we are relieved. But at other times, the fire remains. Some of that bold prayers that we've seen in other places in Psalm 44 says, Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our bellies cling to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. There are instances in life where we, we are low. We are brought low with circumstances. It can be health. It can be crisis, financial issues, issues in relationships, and we can be brought low, and we can plead, and we can cry out, and it appears that he's not listening. But it's when we're low like this that God uses these moments to refine us, to direct us back to him. Love the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Verse 4 says, When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Maybe you're finding yourself and you are low right now. You say, those flames sure are close. They're not to hurt thee. They're only design to refine you. Maybe we get catch kind of a glimpse of the circumstances in, in verse 23. He says, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. This is an immovable meditation. 
an immovable med- meditation, meaning circumstances. The storm might be rough, but my thoughts are on the Lord. That is a fixed mind captured by the word of God. A soul consumed, broken by the word of God. Deep longings that everything's crumbling, but my thoughts are on your word. The English reformer William Tyndale sought to translate the word of God into English from the original Hebrew and Greek. He made it his life mission to do this. And when he set on, out on this, he became a fugitive of his home country, England. Now, England didn't just allow him to go off and do this unattended. They sent out their Catholic spies to try to search out and find Tyndale. So Tyndale spent many years in closets and back rooms, undiscovered. No one could find him. No one knew what he looked like. But he dedicated his life to dedicating his time to translating the word of God from the Greek into the English. And then from the Hebrew into the English. He didn't complete he completed the English Bible. He didn't complete the Old Testament before he was uh, after he was uh, deceived by a false convert who acted as if he was one of his own, and he came out into an alleyway led by this young man that acted as if he was following him, and it was there that he was arrested and handed over to the authorities. He'd spend a year in a cold, dark prison. His plea was not, please release me. His plea was not, I recant, I'm sorry. But he said, please give me my Hebrew Bible. Please give me my writings so that I could keep on going. One individual to try to negotiate with William Tyndale earlier said of him, he says, I find him always singing one note, and that is Bible, Bible, Bible. He could not be shaken, knowing that his life was about to end. He still pressed forward with his translation. An immovable meditation on the Word of God. He loved that. You have an immovable meditation of the Word of God. Is it so fixed that storms can't shake it? But you love it and it's there. We see this kind of bleeds into the last part of this petition for relief. Even though relief might not have come, he has an immovable meditation and a delightful counsel. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. He's not going anywhere else for advice. His advisor is the word of God and the word of God alone. What a wonderful illustration. Not only that delight, I like what you got to say to me. Let me hear more of this. Pleasures, joy, 
by being directed by the word of God, even in the midst of oppression and distress. Psalmist calls upon the Lord during this time. It's a wonderful thing to consider the fact that he hears us and it's within his word we find our hope. Another line of how firm a foundation, fear not, I am with thee, oh be not dismayed, for I am thy God and still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. As we consider the holiday that's before us this week, as we gather with family and friends, I just have a thankful heart, knowing that the Lord deals bountifully with his people. Dear sojourner, let your prayers be dedicated, directed, tethered to the word of God. Allow the word of God to capture your heart and draw you near to the wonders of who God is. Dear sinner, call upon him. Call upon him while you have the day. Know that he deals bountifully towards his people. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we love you because you first loved us and your son, Jesus Christ, and you've given us life in him. And you've generously given us your word. Father, it's our counsel. It should capture our hearts and mind. It's our comfort. It leads us. And Father, it's within it that we see your glory. This morning, Father, as we consider the soul of a sojourner, one that's traveling through this place, this world, this earth is not his own, but he sees that his soul is consumed by the word. I pray that would be our hearts this morning, that we long for your word, that we desire it, that we read it, memorize it, study it, and, Father, allow it to change us and transform us. Father, I pray for the unrepentant soul. I pray that they would see that you're a good and generous God and that you have been generous to your people through salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. I pray they would call upon you today for salvation. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.